What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. and We're so glad you're joining with us. And listen, if you're a guest here with us, man, we are so glad that you are joining us. Today is a little bit of a different day. It's a response weekend for us. And so our service is going to be a little bit different. But if you're a guest here with us, I want to let you know that you chose a great weekend to be in church. And if you're out there and you're searching for a church home, let me be the first to welcome you. Welcome home. Because I think you found the best place on the planet for you to grow in your spiritual journey with Jesus. And so we're excited to have you here. We know there are a lot of places and spaces you could be, but the fact that you chose to be here this Sunday is amazing. And here's what I know. Um, this week, there's been a lot of spiritual opposition, which means I believe that God wants to do something today in your life. Like, I, like I, I've, I've been fighting things all week long because I know that the enemy of our soul doesn't want us to experience what God wants to do in our hearts and lives today. So I'm just here to tell you, like T.D. Jakes would say, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm just telling you, you better get ready spiritually because I believe God's going to show up. And, and I, I believe that your sense of anticipation and, 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 and your sense of like, I'm just longing for something more, that's when God shows up the most and shows off. And so I, I just want you to have a sense of anticipation this morning because I think that God really is about to do something that will, will, will rock your, as, as in loving what Kohler would say back in the day, I'm a rock your world, hey. You know, like God, the Holy Spirit's about to do that to your life. Uh, and uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Uh, why don't you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Morning location. Come on, let's show them some love, Parkland. And, and, and just listen to this. If you're watching online, hey, uh, go put on some clothes and get to the next service because this is going to be best experienced in person. I know you like your jammies. I know you like sitting there naked, whatever you're doing. Put on some clothes. Get to Lighthouse Point. Get to Parkland because God's about to show up. Um, we're in a series about the Holy Spirit. And, and my goal in this series is that you would discover the incredible relationship God wants you to have with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back. We kind of set the tone for this series. We, we, we kind of gave you a baseline, broad view of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important for you to have that foundation because the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most uh, misunderstood, misrepresented, uh, uh, just aspects of the Godhead, and, and a lot of that has to do with misinformation and experiences that we've had, and, and, and maybe even from what you've heard or what you've seen, and, and my goal is that I can help debunk some of those things so you can have an experience with the third person of the Trinity. Now, what's interesting is the word spirit appears over 800 times throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and it's, it's not always translated that way. If you were to look at a King James Version of the Bible, it would actually be translated as the Holy Ghost, or a lot of places it's translated just as a ghost. And, and neither word, neither spirit nor ghost really describes who he is. And so when you're trying to understand something, I think the best thing you can do is you can go back to the original language so you can get a comprehension of what the authors were originally trying to say. And so in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language. And if you were to go and translate the word spirit in Hebrew, it would actually be this word ruach. 
It's kind of like you're, you're kind of hawking up a, a loogie, ruach. And, and ruach literally means a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation or a blast of breath. And so you can automatically see that this would be a difficult translation because you don't really want to put in there holy breath. You know, it's like that just sounds weird and, and, and so it doesn't really explain itself. And it shows up in the second verse of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit or the ruach or the breath of God was hovering over the waters. Now, in the New Testament, it's the Greek word pneuma, and the Greek word pneuma means a, a current of air, a blast of breath, a, a strong breeze. So, so probably the most accurate translation would be holy breath or, or holy wind, but that doesn't sound as good when you're singing Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Can we get an amen right there? You know, like, that just sounds better than, like, Father, Son, and Holy wind or holy breath. That just sounds weird. So the word pneuma is found in many places, but one in particular where Jesus is speaking, John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, the words I have spoken to you are pneuma, their spirit, and they are life. And you go to your, you, you say to yourself, what does that mean? Because it, it, it doesn't make sense in your mind always, but what it's saying is that the, the Spirit of God can be experienced and you can actually feel it and it will actually refresh your life in every single way. Now what's interesting is, is I'm kind of an old school pastor. I, I stand out front and I stand in the beginning of service and at the end of service and I high five and I have conversations with as many people as possible, which is most, most pastors are hiding in rooms before and after service. I'll just be honest with you. And so like I'm old school. I, like, I think a, a shepherd should smell like sheep. Come on, somebody. Like, you're probably not shepherding if, you, if you're not around any people. You, you might just be a communicator, and that's okay. That's great if you are. Just call you what you are. And, and so I, I was standing uh, out, out front after one of our services one weekend, and, and, and people are always so nice. They're, they're always coming up, and they, they, they want to shake your hand and go, good, good sermon, preacher, good, good, good message. Oh, that, that was for me. And, and sometimes there's a lot of people that kind of form out there, and, um, and at one point I, I was— there was a line that was there, and, and I looked further in the line, and there was a, this guy with, like, a really, really dirty look on his face. And I was th thinking to myself, I, I need to get out of this line before he gets to me. You know, come on, anybody. You know, like, I don't want to talk to the guy that's upset. Anybody, anybody know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to talk to people that are happy and like me. I don't, want, I don't want negative feedback. I need to feel good about myself. And so, so I, I, I didn't get out of the line. He gets up to me, and he has this scowl on his face. And he, he, he's like, he's like, I... I just want you to know, and he's like, meanest look, I've been in church all of my life. I'm like, that's probably why you're so mean. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what church you've been in, but not ours, because we're happy here, but you mean. And uh, he goes, and there's just something going on here. I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, you know, we are. I say, hey, can, can you kind of explain that to me? He says, every time I come here, 
this place just puts wind in my sails. And, uh, and I thought to myself, that's not me. That's, that's not our church. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like. It looks like you're going along in life and the breath of God just comes and it propels you further and faster and in a direction that you couldn't go in and of yourself. And actually, that's been my prayer for you today, that the, the ruach, or the pneuma would come into your life today like you've never experienced. And it would just bring wind to your sails. And it would propel you into some new things of God that maybe you've never known in your life. Because here's what I don't want you to experience. I don't want you to experience Coastal. I don't want you to experience TJ. I want you to have an experience with God. Because if you experience TJ or you experience Coastal, it's good for a couple minutes. But when you experience God, it changes you forever. And, and my hope is that you came in here tired and weary and worn out. And that today, the breath of God, man, it would just do something in your life that would change you forever. More. And so, so if the word means wind or it means breath, it means this, this thing of air, I, I just thought about what are some of the characteristics of wind? Because if, if, the, if the very word spirit is translated as wind, maybe some of the characteristics of wind are some of the same characteristics and dynamics of the Holy Spirit that he wants to have in your life. And if we can learn to understand the nature of the Holy Spirit, then we can decipher when God is actually at work in our lives, moving inside of us. So, so wouldn't you all agree that, 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 that wind is unseen? Like wind is unseen. You know it's there because you can feel it, but you don't see it. And here's the problem for some Christians is, 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 is I don't know if I want to feel it is kind of their attitude. They would rather see it. And here's what I know is we don't run on feelings, but it sure is good to feel what you're running on, isn't it? Like, I want to know what I'm running on, and I want to feel it. And when it's okay to know that, because when you feel it, you know that the presence of God is there. And Jesus even affirms this in John chapter 14, verse 17. It says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Like, please don't make the condition of everything you experience something you have to understand up here or see right here. Because the moment you do, you will never experience all that God wants to do in your life. He says, but you know him. Why? For he lives with you and will be with you. And that's what I want for you. I want you to know that you are a Christian, not just from an intellectual level and standpoint, but I want you to know it because you've had an encounter with a living God that is living and breathing and moving and working inside of your life. It's what I want for every single one of you. 
couple of weeks ago, I had, a, I had another guy that was, that was walking out and he, he stopped me as he's walking out and he had tears in his eyes. And I was like, is, is, is everything okay? And he's go, he, he said to me, he, he goes, something happened in there. And I was like, well, did you like it? And he looked at me with tears still coming down. He said, I'll be back next week. I think it's important for you to have an experience with God. Because not everything needs to be explainable in your life. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to serve a God that I can explain everything about. You remember the story where, where Jesus heals the, the blind guy and, and uh, the blind guy that was blind from birth and the Pharisees, the religious leaders come to him and they're like, hey, weren't you blind from birth? Like, how, how do you see? They ask him two questions like, how do you see and is Jesus God? And here's was his answer. He's like, I don't know the answer to either one of those questions, but here's what I know. I was blind and now I see. Sometimes the best argument is an experience you had with God because nobody can argue away the encounter you had with God that changed and transformed your life. So wind is unseen, but wind is also unpredictable. And so sometimes it's coming from this direction. Sometimes it's coming from that direction. Sometimes it's coming from behind you. Sometimes it's right in your face. If you've ever played golf, sometimes it's just swirling up there. And you're like, what is going on? Like, what direction is it coming from? And Jesus said, that's how I operate at times. And here's what I found about most Christians is we want Jesus wrapped in a nice little box with a great little bow on it because we want Jesus the same way, at the same time, in the same order, every single time. Now, in regard to doctrine and God's word, yes, we want it the same every single time. We're not going to veer from God's word. We know that the, the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how he operates at times, sometimes how the Holy Spirit interacts with your life will look very different in one season than it will in the next. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 3, verse 8. And Jesus answered, the wind blows wherever it pleases. In fact, this is the only time in the New Testament scriptures that they replace the word wind for the word spirit. It's the same word pneuma that we've been talking about. It says, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the the spirit. In other words, what your experience with God is, is what it's going to be. Just when you think you've got God figured out and you think, if I do this and I do that and I do this and I do that, then I will have the experience that I had last time. God goes, nope. Like think about Moses. Like Moses has an encounter with God through a burning bush. Only one time did God encounter people ever again through burning bush, and it was just with Moses. But if you and I had an encounter with God through a burning bush, you know what we would do today? We would go and start First Baptist Church of the Burning Bush. And all of us would be staring in our backwards at bushes just waiting for them to burn. They would ask you, did, did, did God speak through the bush? And that wasn't God. Why? Because he's unpredictable. He's going to do some things a little bit differently. So he's unseen and he's unpredictable. How about this? Wind is powerful. 
Wouldn't you agree? Through wind, through turbines, it can create electricity. Wind in the sails of a ship can propel it forward. Wind at times can be very destructive. Anybody ever been through a hurricane in South Florida? Wind is powerful, and so is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he continues on to say, you're going to receive that power so you can be my witnesses. Listen, God always intended for you not to be a natural follower, but a supernatural one. He always wanted something more for your life. He always intended for signs and wonders to follow our lives as we follow him. It's in the Bible. And your experience doesn't need to be purely logical. It needs to be with the power of God. Because what God wants to do in this generation is going to take way more than you and I have to offer. Like, like we have to be able to look at people and say, man, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for you. And when I pray for you, God is going to show up in your life. And he's going to change you by the power of God. Because I believe in the power of God. And I've seen the power of God in operation in life. And he is waiting for some of us to tap into his power. And a lot of times you don't even know you're going to tap into the power. I'll never forget. I went to uh, the Philippines with my pastor when I was, when I was 20 years old. And uh, I, I was there and I was just, I was his bag boy. That's really what my job was, is I was to carry his bag around. And, uh, and one, one day, the night before, he said, hey, why don't you teach something in the next session? I'm like, I'm 20 years old. I know nothing. And, uh, and, but, I, but I had a scripture on my mind. It was, it was Acts chapter uh, three or four, where, where uh, it, it says that they went to the temple, beautiful, and he says, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And I was like, and so I was like, I, I got something, and I, I got up the next morning, and I preached at this little revival service in the middle of the Philippines. At the end of that service, un, unintentionally to me, a person comes up with a wheelchair and says, man, it says silver and gold you don't have, but you said you have power. I need the power of God in my life. I need you to pray for me. And I was like, okay. And I started praying for this young man in a wheelchair at the end of that prayer that man gets up from that wheelchair and never walked in his life he starts running around the building oh come on you better get it real like if you listen God's not going to do something in your life that you won't get excited about for somebody else's life I didn't even intend it I just was telling people what God's word said and listen if that freaks you out you probably just experienced it in all the wrong places. Because here's what I know. God wants to touch your life in the most beautiful way. He wants to heal you. He wants to free you. He wants to transform you. Not in some spooky, weird aspect. But he wants to touch you and he wants it to be so powerful and so positive for you. And lastly, wouldn't you agree, wind is refreshing. I don't know about you, but there's nothing like being outside in South Florida in the middle of July. And it's 99 degrees out with a humidity of about 300%. And all of a sudden you get a breeze off the Atlantic. It's like, thank you, Jesus. I'm not gonna melt today. It's just refreshing. 
And here's what I know is some of us need that spiritually. Your body's tired and your soul is sick and what you've been going through lately is so severe and there isn't any human embrace or any form of counseling or any high five or handshake that is going to revive your spirits like how the Holy Spirit wants to come and just breathe a breath of fresh air on your life that is so refreshing. Just like that ocean breeze comes off in the middle of the summer. He wants to, he wants to, in your life. Second Corinthians says it like this, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his image. See, church, God has every intention of, of, of refreshing your spirit today so he can give you freedom in every aspect of your life where you're bound so you can live out the purpose of his life, so you can live in his intention and with his peace in your life. What's interesting is, is this week I, I had the privilege and the honor of doing multiple funerals. It's, it's, it's never a fun week as a pastor when you, you have to do funerals. One of those happened to be for a fallen police officer. And, uh, and I was with people all throughout the week that were just grieving and they were just more, I mean, they were, they were broken. And they were grieving in such a way that was just so overwhelming. I kept thinking to myself, I wish they had what I had. Because my Bible says, because of the hope that I have, I don't grieve like those that have no hope. Because of the spirit of God in my life, I don't grieve like those who have no hope. And I, I, just, I just kept thinking, I wish they had what I had in my life. And because it's there, what's happening isn't affecting me the same way, even though I had a relationship, I know this, knew this person, I'd walk with this person. It isn't affecting me the same way because of the Holy Spirit in my life. And honestly, that's why I'm doing this series is I want you to have what I have so you can be closer to God than you've ever been in your life. So the obvious question becomes, how do I do that? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? And I think the best way to explain this to you is kind of in story form. And if you'll allow me, in John chapter 13, it's the Passover Seder meal. And it's, it's Jesus in the Last Supper. And he's got his disciples. He washes their feet. And he's letting them know that he's about to go to the cross. And, and then in verses 14 through 16, he, he, he's having this conversation with a group of people that have already spent three years with him. So like they are his closest people. And the most dominant topic at the, conver the dinner table that night was the subject of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm just pointing out that Jesus is giving his final words and he's saying, hey, hey, I want you to get this. The most important thing that you're going to need to hear and that you're going to need to understand and that you're going to need to comprehend and receive is the Holy Spirit. Then John chapter 17, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's, he's arrested there. He's beaten. He's tried. He goes to the cross and he dies. And then three days later, he rises from the grave and then he walks earth for 40 days appearing to people and primarily talking to them about one subject and one subject alone and that is 
the Holy Spirit. And he would say things like, it's better for me to go that when I go, I will send him and he'll be with you forever. And the him who he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. And on one occasion, his disciples are in a room and they're having a meal and Jesus just kind of pops through the wall supernaturally. And the first thing he says is, fear not. And they're all freaking out because if, uh, if Jesus appears through a wall, I'm a freak out. They're freaking out. This is where Thomas is like, man, if I don't see and I don't touch, then I'm not going to believe. And Jesus is like, hey, come and see it. Come and touch it. And he's like, I believe. And so this is the scene. And they're sitting at the table. And Jesus says this in John 20, verse 22. And it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the actual moment the disciples actually become Christians. They become born again in this moment. Some of you are like, how, how, wait, wait, they were with Jesus. Listen, up until this point, Jesus had not died and rose again. So he says, hey, be filled with the Spirit, and he breathes it on them. They receive Christ, and they receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. And when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. And if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. But then Luke talks about it, this in the book of Acts chapter 1. He says this, on one occasion while he is eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Notice he already prayed and, and breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. But he says, hey, here's what I want you to do. In the future tense, he says, I want you to be baptized or immersed. That's what baptism means. It means immersed in the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, they went into the upper room. And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now, when Christians hear the word Pentecost, some people get freaked out. Do you guys know what the word Pentecost means? Anybody? It means 50. Scary, isn't it? It literally is just saying 50 days after Passover, something transpired that we, they were not expecting. And so here's what I know. We let things that have been packaged by others the wrong way scare us off from everything God wants to do in our lives. And so the spirit was poured out, and then check this out, Acts chapter 2, verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they were like, what in the world is going on? They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, and they still do, and they still will. Just FYI. And said, these guys have had too much wine. It's like, they drunk. And Peter gets up with the 11 and raises his voice and he says, fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I see. These people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only the nine o'clock service. <laughs> he says, no, this is what? And I want you to see this. Because people say, this is this, and I'm here to tell you, no, 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 this is that. I encourage you to explore God's word and discover what he actually says, and don't reject something because you got bad information on it. 
Oh, I don't want to play basketball. I hate getting tackled. Oh, that's football. See what I'm saying? says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Then in verse 38, he says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. And some people say, oh, no, no, that was just for the book of Acts. It just happened in that time. He says, but that promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. Last time I checked, all means all. And so it wasn't just limited to that time frame. It is here for us today. And so I just want to close with a little bit of encouragement in this last couple of minutes I have in, in, in they can encourage you on your spiritual journey. Number one, let go of your fears and misconceptions. Please don't allow bad information that you have received or tradition or experience to tell you what something is all about when that is not what it's all about. Because so many people have allowed misconceptions and perceptions and experiences, and especially bad ones, keep them from all that God has for their lives. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people. I grew up in the hyper-charismatic church. If you don't know what that means, it means everything that you saw on bad Christian television happened every week in the church I grew up in. In fact, it was encouraged. Chaos. And what happened for me is, 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 this church went so far on this side of the pendulum that, I, that all we were doing is showing up every week seeking an experience. We stopped seeking God. And we are looking for an experience from God. We wanted something from God, not just wanting God. And so what that caused me to do in my life is it caused me to swing all the way to the other side of the pendulum because I'm like, I don't want that because that's whack. And that's crazy. And so I swung all the way over here, and it's just scripture, 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 which is awesome. But you know what I was missing is, is I was missing the power of God in my life. And so what I had to do is I had to grow up and realize that there is a balance between the word of God and the experiences of God. And sometimes I'm not going to be able to comprehend everything through a scripture verse because the spirit is unpredictable and he's unseen and he, he moves in new and different ways than maybe what I'm used to. And I had to get okay with that. And it took me a while to realize that if God has it it's in his word, it's good for you. Because the wild and the spooky and the unpredictable, it's actually in scripture. I just like God packaged neatly. Come on, is anybody with me? But here's his package. He says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is coming down from the Father above. 
who does not change like shifting status. So I, I just want to encourage us to remove the biases and the experiences and just have a fresh page approach. Then number two, ask God to give me all he has for you. Just go, God, I, I want all that you have for me because all that I have and all that you have is not enough for this life. So why would we settle where we are when we can go to God and go, God, if you've got more, I want it. I want it. And we started Coastal with the belief that we, we thought that people were chasing after things and when they got all those things, they would come to the conclusion that they are still empty inside and they would come searching for something more and we would have the answer to everything that they had in life, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit working inside of them because there is more to this life than what you're currently experiencing. And that's what I want for every single one of you, to go on a journey where you are constantly pursuing the more that God has for you. One of my favorite illustrations of this is in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel. He's, he's actually, it's a prophetic word for the New Testament church and how the spirit would move. And Ezekiel 47 says like this, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through the water that was an ankle deep experience. He measured off another 1,000 cubits and led me through water that was knee-deep in experience. He measured another 1,000 and led me through water that was up to my waist in an experience. And then he measured off another 1,000. Now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. Basically, what he's saying is he's saying there are going to be people, and I believe that there are people in this room that are going to have an ankle-level experience with God. And listen, if you're in the water, you have received Jesus, you are going to heaven. There is nothing you've got to do to, to experience more uh, of, of, of for your salvation. You can't work it out. You can't, you can't do enough for it. Like, it is a free gift. And so you are in the water. But I'm just telling you that God has got more for your life than you just getting in the water. Because you can go to heaven with a bad marriage, but God doesn't want you to. Like, you can get to heaven with a bad attitude, but God doesn't want you to. So there is more, and I'm just asking our church, let's not settle at ankle deep. For some of you, you, maybe you need to crawl out a little bit further and listen, I'm not asking you to go all the way in, I'm just asking you to take your next step in your spiritual journey. I'm just asking you to go a little bit further. Some of you need to take your next step in worship. Like, like you worship him, I'm here and I worship him in my heart. But the Bible says, clap your hands, lift your hands in the sanctuary of God. Listen, I didn't write it, he wrote it. Like, sometimes you just got to dive in. Like, I'll never forget the first time I, I, I was like... 18 years old that I decided I, I was gonna lift my hand in a worship service. I remember I was, I was like, I'm waiting for a specific moment and I, I was trying to get up my courage and, and I remember, <laughs> bam, there it was. Did it. Why? Because I thought everybody was looking at me. Thought it was about me. But worship was never about you. Well, I can't worship, that's not my jam. The jam isn't written about you. You're not here to worship you. You're here to worship God in his house. 
So why don't you go beyond your ankles and your knees and get a little bit deeper? And watch the freedom that God will begin to give you in your life. Now what's interesting about the knees and the waist and the ankles is, is in all the, like when you're in at your ankles, you're still in charge of your experience. I mean, even at the knees and the waist, like the water might push you a little bit, but you just, you just widen out your stance, right? And, and here's what a lot of us do. We go, God, I want an experience with you, but I want it under my terms. I want you to do it the way that I understand and I comprehend. And God's going, no, no, no. The, the, the way you experience me is you go all in. Because when you move out into the middle where you get up here, the river begin to take you where it wants to go, not where you want to go. And how many of you know that sometimes where you want to go and where God wants to take you is totally different places? And I guarantee you, God's place that he's trying to take you is way better than the place you're trying to take you. And so why don't you venture out into this thing called faith and Christianity and go, God, there's more and I want more. And I'm not asking you to take them all. I'm just asking you to take your next step. And this is what it says in verse 9. It says, swarms of living creatures live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish, for this water flows there and makes salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Everything that you want to thrive in your life is when you let go of control and go all in. Here's the last one. Number three, and I'm going to end with this. Pursue an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Pursue. What, did, what, what happened in the book of Acts? They waited and they sought, they pursued. And God's waiting for us to seek and pursue all that he has for us. 2 Corinthians says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. For some of us, before we can have the more of God, we need to experience the grace of God. The grace of his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe for some of you, you've never experienced that before, and we'll give you an opportunity to do that. But when you experience the amazing grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, what you begin to discover is the uncomprehendable love of our Father for us. For God so loved the world in John 3.16 that God sent his one and only son. So after we've received that grace and experienced that love, we can go, God, I, I want more of you. We can have this incredible fellowship and relationship with the Holy Spirit who doesn't just want us to stay at our ankle level, but he's going, hey, I want to take you a little deeper. I want to take you a little farther. I want to bring you into the more that God has for your life. And so I don't know where you are today and, and where you're at, but with every head bowed and every eye closed, Maybe you're here and you've never taken the first step to the more of God, which is experiencing a new beginning and a fresh start with God through the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death, the death that you and I deserve for all of our sins and our screw-ups and our mistakes. And maybe today you need to experience the Son for the first time or the first time in a long time. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd love to pray a quick prayer for you that changes everything for everybody. You just slip your hand up at the count of three. One, two, 
three. Go ahead and slip it up. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Yes, yes. Hands going up all over the place. Who else? Yes, ma'am, I see you over here. Yes, I see you over there. Yes, ma'am. Yes, there. Sir, right there in the center. Yes, ma'am, I see you there in the center. Up top, up top. I see you. I see you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am, up there. Yes, sir, I see you. Thank you. Hands all over the place. Yes, ma'am, I see you. If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me and giving me the incredible gift, the gift of your son, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life and take over. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. Thank you for loving me in this place.